Hello, and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, <laughs> the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name is Aaron. this week was Dark Star from 1974, directed by John Carpenter, starring Dan O'Bannon as Pinback, Brian Narell as Doolittle, Dre Pahich as Talby, and Cal Cunaholm as Boiler. This movie was selected for us by our peer, Mr. Aaron, and I'd like Aaron to tell us his history with this movie to start off. Tell us, when did you first come upon this? All right, so I'd been collecting uh, albums from a band called Pinback, and um, I it, it dawned upon me as I was going through one of their message boards that uh, it was based on a movie. So uh, I hunted around trying to find a copy of it. I couldn't find one. I probably should have just gone to Salzer's and looked for it. So I, I found it on the internet, and... Uh, I watched it, and it was just amazing. So I showed all my friends. They thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of the history, man. It's you not, it's not get deep. A, but originally <laughs> get a DVD copy? or I did end up finding a DVD copy at yeah. Salzer's, believe it or not. So that's what we watched it on tonight. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say. But, uh, let's. What do you want to go into? You don't want to talk about What do you want to talk Angel? about? Uh, well, you want to synopsize it? Sure. We haven't done that. I feel like we haven't done a normal episode in a while because we had predestination, which we kind of had to spoil. So it was a weird one. Yeah. Sabrina, which we didn't, we actually didn't synopsize that episode because I guess we figure everybody knows who the heck Sabrina, the teenage witch is. Yeah. I guess we didn't really synopsis that one. Yeah. But this one. All right. Well, so it's the 21st century and a man is colonizing space. And so in order for there to be more places for man to be, um, they have a scouting ship, uh, they being the humans or us. And uh, <laughs> uh, this ship is called Dark Star, and it goes from system to system, trying to make sure that it's a habitable place. And by doing so, they have to blow up planets that might potentially turn into uh, not so good things for solar systems. Supernovas and stuff. Uninhabitable planets or something like that, you know? Yeah. Seems like... Uh but they somehow end up being stuck on this ship for 20 years without contact with anyone else. Well, I kind of get the feeling that uh, when the mission began, yeah, you know, it was pretty routine, you know. And, but I, I get the feeling that after a while, uh, um, there was a bit of a decline. Perhaps people weren't getting along. Uh, they're so far away from Earth, there was no real way that they could receive support. Feel It feels like they were entirely isolated. 
Yeah, I, I didn't really get what that message was saying in the beginning. It seemed like he was saying, oh, you guys haven't contacted us for a long time. Yeah. I got the feeling that uh, that he was the guy that they paid to be the smile face on the camera. Right. So that every... Don't worry, guys. Everything's great. Yeah. You're doing your job. Hey, you're blowing up planets. <laughs> your quest has been denied, but, you know, we know you can handle it. Yeah. You guys <laughs> are the best. Yeah. Mm. Hey, sorry to hear your captain died. Hope things are going okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's kind of how it felt. <laughs> Might I add, though, that also there, uh, I, me, me and my wife Campo did name our cat Darkstar. I just uh, wanted, yeah, wanted to make sure that was that was known that Dark that Campo named uh, Darkstar Darkstar because she was very destructive, and uh, <laughs> that need to be noted. Mm. So. She had an alien being jumping around in her. So, uh, I guess we should just say what we thought about it. What would you think about it, Sarah? I thought that it was kind of an odd movie. I liked it, but I kind of felt like it was like we were watching, um, like, mechanics in space. Mm -hmm. Like, just kind of tinkering around the shop and... It kind of seemed like a motley crew of dudes just hanging out and repairing stuff and listening to country music. <laughs> um, and they were wearing those, you know, work workmen's. I I love those, by the way. Mm -hmm. If I could wear those kind of outfits all the time, I probably would. The um, the work suits, the like unitards or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're basically like a zip-up, like, jumpsuit? jumpsuit that workers wear in, like, a like garage. The, yeah, the Ghostbusters wore, too. Yeah, Ghostbusters wore them. Um, these guys were wearing ones that you would see, like, a mechanic at the dealership wearing with, like, their name tag on it. Um, they had their last name, like, like they were in the army yeah. or something. Yeah, like a very militaristic style. Like, they had, like, their the patches or something on the arms and... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, now we watched the theatrical version, correct, of the film. I can't tell what we watched. Okay. I mean, the 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 cut that we watched mm -hmm. was called the extended cut. Okay, but the cut below it was mm -hmm. called something else. Cut. Okay. Now there was no just theatrical cut or anything. Like okay, it was barely cut. poorly put together DVD. Now, although I really, yeah, I really cool. like those uh, DVD <laughs> intro logos. Yeah, yeah those Nintendo sixty four yeah. uh, era awesome. logos, like Magic Lantern. We did miss out on a scene, though. I just wanted to point that out. It, it just has has come back to me. So, um, oh, a different scene than the one yeah. you, you told, we talked about earlier. Yeah, it involves Doolittle. Oh, okay. Um, essentially, I think in between. Where he, when he goes up to the observation booth to go talk to Talby. When he's talking to Talby, yeah. Yeah. Um, either between there or the mess hall scene, he kind of goes to, like back to his quarters. Mm. And like he has this, like, and this is probably why they removed it. But basically what it was is he has this giant, like, contraption made of, like, all these, like, bottles and things and whatnot. And, and apparently it's like some really elaborate music box kind of thing that he's made where he plays music on and he plays like this very like, <laughs> like, like bottle, bottle like 
theme. And what? <laughs> it's just like very a jug uh, band. yeah, like, like a jug band. Yeah, yeah. But it's very, it's a very elaborate looking thing, and all the bottles are lined up on this piece of wood, and it's it's like shifting it up and down with his his fingers and whatnot. That's weird. Yeah, and that's probably why they removed it from the version we saw because it was just kind of like a like a. This guy isn't with it, is he? Like, he's lost it. <laughs> They've all lost it a bit. Yeah. What'd you think? I liked it. Um, it wasn't... I, I expected a very serious movie from the creators of Halloween and Alien, though. I'm I'm disappointed that it seems so silly. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I liked... You know what it reminded me a lot of was The Mighty Boosh? Oh, dang. The way, like, if yeah. they had a scene, uh, part where they were in space, I could see, like, uh, totally. uh, Howard Moon trying to rustle around with an alien and getting stuck underneath the elevator. And I could see... Uh, a spirit of jazz. The gorilla up there talking to Vince, or, or somebody talking to the gorilla, and the gorilla would be like, have you heard of this comet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Totally. So I, I, because of that, that was kind of a gateway for me because I'm a terrible, terrible comedy person. Like most movies that are the big comedy hits nowadays just don't work for me. And I think it's because I've, I've, my soul was stepped on by an invisible giant when I was 27. It's a very traumatic story. I'll go into it in a different podcast. Uh, but this, this had a lot, of, you know. This had a lot of fun stuff right there. You know, I, I'm not the kind of person who laughs out loud, anyway. So when we're watching movies, you have, really have to get me hard in the funny bone if you want me to laugh. Like you need to mention the uh, Scout Visor in Dragon Ball Z or something like that. <laughs> That's how you're gonna get me. <laughs> but I liked. I really liked the whole alien bit. Oh, the, the beach ball? Everything with that. <laughs> yeah. It was, was really great. Beach yeah. balls in space. But it was also kind of scary because I didn't really know what was going to happen. Yeah, God, I know. Too. It was very uncertain, yeah. wasn't it? it like, he's like grabbing onto this, like, he's not eating that thing, and then he grabs onto that guy's head, and I'm like, is he going to try eating that guy? <laughs> no, but, but, like, I mean, I mean, when you think about it, like, the, for the computer pops up, and it's like, hey, Penback, it's time to feed the alien. Mm-hmm. He's all bummed out because yeah. he's feeling like everyone's picking on him, and he's like, oh. I gotta go feed the alien. Jeez. I gotta do everything around here. And then when you see the alien, this this beach ball thing, you're like, how the hell is that thing gonna eat anything? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? And it's got like like two seagull like like kind of looking claws coming out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. a beach ball with feet. And they must have fed it before, obviously. He's got it on a feeding schedule. Yeah. That part kind of reminded me of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Straight up. But I really liked the practical effects that they did, like the part with the elevator shaft when he was with the alien. Loved it. It reminded me of um, Labyrinth when they're in that tunnel and and the prince like sends that thing at them, oh, yeah. and it's really just like two little dudes on like a <laughs> platform that's being pushed just forward. Pushing, yeah. Yeah. But it was like I could just see that platform just being like pushed up and down. Awesome. Pushed up and down. Yeah. So oobly. The oobliant. Yeah. Yeah. Oobliant. No, no, that's the. It's a place you put people to forget about. Oh. Oh. Okay. It was just a clear. Oh, just like a tunnel cleaner. The tunnel cleaner and um, I don't know if there's a name for the place with the 
the okay, we're going to have to watch the Labyrinth movie for the podcast because I love talking about it. Even though I know for a yeah. fact there are some people that are our friends who do not like that movie. But Well, well you just had to see it as yeah. a kid, I think, to enjoy it and I appreciate it. I, I particularly loved yeah. it. No, I love it too. Mm. Now, going back to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dark, Dark Star. So Pinback was like the star, basically, of this, right? I feel he is. Yeah. I feel he is. You can see why somebody would name a band after him. Mean, yeah. He becomes your favorite quickly. I really liked when he was uh, watching his diary footage and how much of a different person he was, like, within the first year. It was like, he was like a mechanic, which is what he said he was, right? He was like a, <laughs> he's like <laughs> saying, I don't belong here. This guy's clothes don't even fit me. <laughs> It's been a year and a half <laughs> smoking a cigarette, and then later you see him, he's, he looks more like Aaron. I kept thinking that. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> Modeled his looks after it. This is like a goofy, silly movie. Like, you don't you don't know when you're first watching it the first time what's going to happen, and that makes you feel a little bit scared, especially since they, in the very beginning, just set you up with the fact that somebody died. Yeah. And I was thinking, how did somebody die? Like, what is the situation here? <laughs> I didn't really understand that either. There was a malfunction in his seat. Well, um, at the very beginning of the film, they show you what is like a standard procedure of how they blow up these planets. Right. Um, they release the bomb. It goes down. And then what they do is they activate the hyperdrive and they go a safe distance away oh, to yeah. make sure that everything goes according to plan. So during one of these bombing runs, apparently his seat malfunctioned, which which I guess I guess is like what protects them when they're in hyperdrive. And and that's why that's why um Captain Powell had, had passed away. I see. Was was the seat malfunction during one of these hyperdrive so had a mice. Yeah. Or whatever was going on there. <laughs> Not revealed till later, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was kind of a that reminded me of like the future parts in Twelve Monkeys with the uh the council, because they're kind of in weird places. I don't know. They're like all crazy. Yeah. All of them are like paranoid schizophrenics or something. Didn't we hear that somewhere? That was on that podcast I was playing oh, for yeah, you. It was yeah, like yeah. 10% of the population or 1% of the population is, yeah. Anyways, when we watch that movie for the podcast, make the list. Where That's is my it? other Yeah, favorite. I know. I got to make a list. Write it down. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the movie? Yeah, well, that's a, what do you want to talk about? What do you think of that whole philosophy part? Remind me the philosophy. At the end, when he was giving them the whole Descartes, uh, whatever that uh, philosopher's name, the French philosopher guy who uh, said, I think, therefore I am, but then he elaborated onto it like, the only thing that I can be sure of are my own thoughts, my but my outside perceptions, I can never be 100% sure of that because it's just electric electrical impulses to my brain i mean it's pretty big philosophy yeah yeah for su for such a, a, a for such a quirky like silly film i just thought it was very interesting that uh commander powell uh mentioned that they should really just talk to the bomb i think there is a philosopher who argued one's ability to be able to trust their instincts on and their senses on their surroundings. I love philosophy and I'm only just scratching the surface right now, but I've been really into existentialism and I've been into, yeah, lots of different things. But that just reminded me, I think I have read something, even if it was like in a humor book, I think I might have read 
that like one can't trust themselves basically. And that's what it reminded me of in that part of the movie. I think for every philosophy that there is, there's like an argument against it. Mm. And I haven't thought what argument could be against the argument that was presented, but it seems like in philosophy, they start off with like the basic, basic principles, like <laughs> know thyself. You only had nine minutes to go through everything you can get. To yeah. The bomb. No, no. I, I think it was a good moment for. I do think that it's a good way to outsmart a machine. Yeah. To present them with a philosophical idea that they might not be able to break down as a problem the way they do everything else. Yeah. As a theoretical idea. It gave him like five extra minutes, yeah. That's great. No, it's... I mean, it really did. It really did, yeah. some time. I get all my philosophical information from the comic book Action Philosophers. Nice. Which is super nerdy. No, that's awesome. Yeah. What movies predated this, like, science fiction-wise, that were big deals? This was 74, right? Yeah, 74. I'm pretty sure 2001 had already come out prior to this, right? I should know since we did it. Uh, 68 is when 2001 yeah. came out. So, yeah, that. I mean, there was obvious influences there with the uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Stuff like that. What about Star Wars? Yeah, Star Wars could have been out already. That's the planet blowing up, kind of. 77. Really? Yeah. Whoa. That ship. Lucas totally stole it, man. Yeah. Because it, it looks like one of the. I mean, not only the Death, Death Star. Star. Dark Which blows star. up planets, and then this one actually looked like one of those Imperial vessels, whatever those are called. Man, I'm just shaking my head right now. Yeah. George Lucas. Yeah, big, George, how dare you? Big jerk. <laughs> First you steal from all those swashbucklers and such from your childhood, then you steal directly from John Carpenter. Man. And Dan O'Bannon. Two well, righteous this- dudes. Yeah. This philosophy isn't exactly what I was thinking about, uh-huh. but it's basically saying that Harry Potter exists. Yeah, look, this is a silly book that I have. That's um, humorous philosophy stuff called "You Can't Make It Up." That's what the name of the K. chapter was. Oh. I don't. <laughs> and this chapter is Harry Potter exists. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter exists. Here's the proof. Think about the statement: Harry Potter doesn't exist. What's it about? Clearly, it's about Harry Potter, but a statement can only be about something if there's something for it to be about. Therefore, the statement Harry Potter doesn't exist is self-refuting and Harry Potter exists. You may object to the statement Harry Potter doesn't exist, that it isn't about Harry Potter at all, it isn't about anything, but if it isn't about anything then it doesn't say anything. And clearly, it does say something. So it must be about something, Harry Potter after all. (laughs) You might try a different track and say that yes, the statement is about something, namely Harry Potter, but it isn't about a flesh and blood boy prince. Wizard, I mean. (laughs) I just put the word prince in. In that case, the statement Harry Potter doesn't exist is clearly false because, as an idea, Harry Potter certainly does exist. So, it is never true to say that Harry Potter doesn't exist. Therefore, Harry Potter does. Oh! Sure. 
that's not exactly the argument I was thinking, but there's other ones. There are other philosophies, but... It perfectly fits what's going on in this movie, Yeah. Though. It perfectly fits. Yeah, they're all wizards. Stinky, I th- stinky wizards. I, l- I like their... Um, they're kind of having an existential crisis on this ship. They're just sitting around talking about what they miss and just looking at the stars and stuff. And I mean, it. but it almost feels like, like they're just a bunch of mechanics, like having yeah, a hot dog or a bunch or of simpletons, it seems like. They, yeah. Nobody knows what's going on anymore. Maybe, maybe Talby, but he's gone. He's so far gone on the crazy yeah. scale that he can't really do anything about it. He's the only one who seemed to be an, uh, an active uh, participant in the ship maintenance. I think it's fair to say that Captain Powell was the glue that was holding them together. Mm. And in his absence, Doolittle and Bo- Boiler? Boiler. Yeah. Doolittle and Boiler, they, they switched from this being an exploration mission to this just being, let's blow the crap out of everything mission. And so, the, and that's why I think the ship was taking so much wear and tear was because they weren't necessarily focusing on making sure everything was operating securely. I think they were just dealing with the death of their captain by making sure they were continuing with their, with, with the mission that they wanted to do what they, what they truly wanted to do, which is blow things up. Right. And which, which left pinback as kind of like the janitor of the ship, making mm. sure things are working, the animals are being fed, the weird lights are being attended to yeah, in that was, one room. He was uh, sunbathing. Yeah, that too. And reading comic books. Talby Tal- was <laughs> walking around outside the ship or putting are, on that popcorn maker. Are these guys like trash men? Because I was just thinking, like, they're they make- getting rid of the garbage. Yeah, they're, they're just blowing it. <laughs> no, they're taking care of the things that don't that other people don't yeah. want to have to deal with. Exactly. There's just not much depth. There, there's not enough in the story to like to reach to what their actual purpose is at this point. I don't know if there's like a serious side or something like that. I, I'd want to see some sort of lead-in novel to what the situation is or something like I that. I have the novelization of this, by oh, the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Hmm. I treasured, a treasured tome. <laughs> a treasured tome I picked up at a comic or a science fiction convention. Did you feel that? That's that cool. was my heart a-fluttering. It has a whole cool, like, little, like, black and white photo mm-hmm. section, too, in it. Yeah, those are the good ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked the setting, and I liked the... Um, dynamic that guys had on the ship but i kind of i don't know what it is but i have i have issues with aesthetics sometimes and anything that's kind of this hue this color in film i kind of have an aversion to and even some of those old science fiction novels sure. that have that particular look about them mm-hmm. that just like scream 70s mm-hmm. some of them i just don't even want to crack open i'm Understood. just kind of like this is a little bit mm-hmm. Like the coloration and the and the look of it is a little bit off putting for me, and I don't even know why. But maybe it reminds me of something. I don't mm. subconsciously. But, Interesting. But um, there was a color in this that was kind of like overly warm saturation, mm. and there were some moments that were pretty dark too, like not very well lit. Yeah. But I know they were. This was like a pretty low budget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> situation. Least, yeah. And I think that the practical effects were just amazing. That they were able to pull off for probably as little as they did. As yeah. little money as they had. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
I can imagine being excited having accomplished what you what they did with this. Um, some of the things I love, yeah, I really love the like you said the practical effects are so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like the gags with the the elevator in particular, yeah. the whole scene with the alien, the alien in, in general yeah. is just so much fun. I, I love I love when he when he when, when he opens it and he first like shushes the lights away or whatever. Like apparently it's some other species. That they found oh, like, yeah. projected lights on the wall. He doesn't have to feed those. <laughs> <laughs> then I started thinking about what did somebody say it was like filled with gas in the movie? When they took care of the alien, yeah, he said that it was just full of gas. How could it be alive? Yeah. I wonder if we're gonna have chicken. I was stuck in the elevator shaft. I don't want chicken again. I wonder if he's going to I started thinking, like, imagine if there was a life form that was gas, like a gas form. That's um in the Mass Effect video games there are these creatures that are like um free floating jellyfish looking things mm-hmm. and they are gaseous beings that cool. have they do have like an exoskeleton sort of thing. And also gaseous what, form. But like in a uh BPRD, isn't there that guy who's like a ghost but he's trapped in that suit, he's kinda gaseous. Johan, yes. He's yeah. he's ectoplasm. Voiced by Seth MacFarlane in Hellboy and the Golden Army. Buy it today on DVD. <laughs> maybe there are things. Maybe there are things in the universe that exist that are that would be gaseous in our world, oh, but are something else. I think. I think you bring up a really good and very interesting point, though, Sarah. That like perhaps a life form isn't you know, or the idea of a, of what a life form is should definitely be brought into question. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Sure. Well, like the the moisture they found on Mars, you know, like that's pretty cool. Like, what's that about? I want to know. Yeah, I want to know. Too. I want to know if it's refreshing. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Who I mean, wants to drink who are we to say what life actually is? What encompasses it? I mean, there are people who believe that animals aren't inherently alive. They don't have souls. Like, what, what does it take for? Everyone I think that's a load of weed, but yeah, still. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think animals are awesome. I, uh, High five. That made me think about Horton Hears a Who, because oh. I've been... Uh, my little nephew, who's two, is watching a lot of cartoons lately, and um, and I was looking at an old edition of that book in a used bookstore, and at the beginning, uh, Dr. Seuss dedicates it to... A friend of his, and it says from the small nation of Japan. And then I was like, "Oh, dang, Doctor Seuss! I didn't even realize that till right now. <laughs> You're making an analogy. I mean, of course, Doctor Seuss is always making analogies in his work. Yeah. But I was like, I never would have compared like the Who's down in Whoville to um, some terrible things that have gone on in the world before. Mm-hmm. Now that's crazy." I hadn't thought of that. We're here, we're here, we're here. Yeah, but it does make you think, like, what is a living entity and what... I've I've gotten into some of these kind of conversations with my mom before, and uh, it's kind of crazy to think that everything around us is energy, and that potentially that energy could be affected, like, by any number of things. Yeah. Pizza is delicious. So I can't, hope it's not alive. So you can't trust your senses, so that brings us back to uh, the... That's right, the bomb the philosophy. Interesting. <laughs> no, you're right. You can't trust your senses. I need more senses. time to think on this. Now I'm going to go away into my little closet. How many computers did they talk to? 
There were two bombs, two? 19 and 20, and then there was the on-ship mm-hmm. one. Did anyone ever talk to the on-ship computer? She just kind of spouted orders, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, kind of like alarm clock. An alert. Yeah, yeah kind of like a, yeah, an alert. She wasn't like Major Barrett in, in uh, Star Trek, you know, no response. I feel that probably the one person that did talk to her was on ice. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been it, too. Yeah. Poor Captain Powell. Mm, it's so lonely in space. <laughs> so, how did the movie end? Spoilers. All right. Well, Wait, are you asking because you fell asleep, or or did you? <laughs> no, I want to hear Aaron's take. On oh, that. Aaron, All right. what happened? So, so after Doolittle has his philo- his philosophical debate with the bomb, and and the bomb's like, well, I got to think about this. It goes away for a few minutes, you know. Goes back up into the bomb bay door. Everyone's everyone's starting to chill and relax. And uh, Talby Talby, uh, who who was trying to do some maintenance in the uh, the uh, I guess emergency airlock uh, fell unconscious because he was the one who unfortunately may have malfunctioned the bomb to begin with. He started to wake up. And at this time, uh, Doolittle is like, well, I'm just going to use the emergency. I'm, I'm over here right now. I might as well use the emergency, you know, airlock. So Pinback opens the emergency airlock and Talby uh, takes a little swim into outer space. Now That's- he's wearing a spacesuit, which optimal, optimal in the situation but he didn't have his jetpack. So when the after the airlock opens up, he zing zips out into the middle of space. And so uh, at this point, Doolittle's like, "Well, hey, I better go save him." And so he starts flying off into space after his friend. And uh, at that time, I guess Sergeant Pinback decides to uh, try to talk to the bomb and maybe you know, I, I don't know. I guess reason set with it. it. it go. Set it up yeah. to go again. Uh-huh. I think. Like, yep. And that's when the bomb's like. I think I got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> nice <Kaboom>. try. <laughs> I don't believe you exist. The only thing that exists is me. Yeah. And my one purpose is to blow up. And so he does. Pretty good conclusion. But I think Sarah wants to know about the very last part. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right. In the beginning of the movie, the one of the very first conversations you hear in this film, uh, um, Talby and Doolittle are, uh, are just... Just talking about things. Talby, Talby is this, uh, is like the, I guess, observation deck officer. He like sits up in this little like dome, little dome thing. And he's just tripping out on stars and just like, you know, I don't know, Carl Sagan ended up there. (laughs) 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 So while he's doing a Sagan thing, you know, just. Billions and billions of stars. He's you trying know. to make an apple pie. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Doolittle comes up and and uh, starts talking to him and totally not listening to him, but just talking about a surfboard back home. And now he's just like, back in Malibu, I had a surfboard and I could surf any day I wanted to. <laughs> you know. And then when Talby's trying to talk to him, he's just like, if I had that surfboard, I'd wax it right now. <laughs> like, like totally not even like. Not even having a conversation with him. Then he just looks at Talby and he's like, it's really good talking to you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anywho. So, so yeah. Waxing the surfboard. So the ship blows up and uh, they're afloat. They're just out there in space. And uh, it looks like uh, Doolittle's starting to uh, drift towards the planet. Drift towards the planet. And, 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 uh, (laughs) And Talby just goes like, yeah, man, 
you're gonna burn up in the atmosphere of that planet. What a, a beautiful, beautiful way, way to die. <laughs> but I guess, you know, really when it comes down to, I mean, you have nowhere to go. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, you know, it's very human to just try to cope with any sort of situation, right? Do you find that idea scary? Or oh, this- God, yes. Yeah. Death, death is frightening. <laughs> yeah. Death is very frightening. They, they make light of it in the movie, but <laughs> no. I was, like, thinking, I wonder if this is scary to anybody else. Oh, God, yes. That's a, what, a, what a horrible thing. Uh, and, and yeah, and it, but it is very humorous, I guess, in a sense, just, you know, just tell me what a beautiful way to die. <laughs> and then, uh, and so... Oh, oh, yes. So earlier, Talby discusses about how he's really into planets and stars, and and he 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 just makes a very casual observation that there's this thing called the Phoenix asteroid, or and 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 it and it glows beautiful colors as it goes across the universe, and some say, some say, <laughs> and, nobody uh, knows why. <laughs> nobody knows why. <laughs> and it just so happens, just on the off chance. But there it is, the Phoenix asteroid, and Talby's floating straight towards it, and it whisks him away across the universe in its multicolored trip out 1974 way. He becomes one with it, it seems. I think he surfs it. Oh, well. Oh, no, well, that's Talby. Well, oh, yeah, Talby. Because then what happens next is, is that uh, parts of the ship are flying by Doolittle. And uh, uh, he grabs onto uh, a big piece of the ship, and he's like, all right, I know what to do. I think this will work. I think this will work. And he surfs the the piece of the ship right into the planet, burning up in the atmosphere. And that's... At least he got to have one final ride. That's right. Got to catch one more wave. Yeah. I like that ending a lot. Is that too much to spoil, or...? No. I... My spoiler, like, damn, is anything more than a decade Hmm. should be just fine. And, you know, there are certain movies that I feel like are cultural touchstones within the last decade that if you haven't seen them and we end up discussing them, whose fault is that? Yeah. The the, the smaller the film, the worse I feel about spoiling things. Now, this is a very small film, but it is from 1974. And I don't think that discussing the ending of it is going to be detrimental to the enjoyment of the entire movie because I mean that that's a really cool ending. I think this is a movie that just definitely just needs to be seen. Yeah, it's just like so much fun. Yeah. Uh, check 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 it out. I think uh, yeah. I wish more space movies were like it because even just in that part where they're in the dome. I feel like they were focusing more on space, even though it was like a small moment between two guys that were just shooting the breeze. It was like you could see space. And in most movies, I think I've complained about this before, that are about space. It's like a bunch of people trapped in a little room (laughs) and you don't see anything about space. Like, or you're on some desert planet. That is just like dirt. And I don't know. I guess I just think that they could do more with the beauty of space in a movie. I think it's more realistic not to have like that view of space like they did in the movie. It's like it's 
incredibly difficult to be safe in space in any way, right? Why do they have to operate within those parameters? Science For fiction, a science fiction movie? Science fiction is about something that doesn't exist. No, the, the more science fiction it is, the more likely we're going to get the, the view of space. But I think I, the more popular movies are things like Alien or like uh, Gravity from a couple of years ago or uh, The Martian. Yeah, right? There wasn't yeah. that much... I would have thought that you had seen this like a million times as a kid. <laughs> no, actually, I, I um, and it's really funny too because like once once I uh, um, once I told my parents about it, they were like they were like, oh yeah, they used to show that a lot at science fiction conventions, <laughs> like like very just like <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, we know what it <laughs> I was is. Like, why didn't you show me? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely one of those moments. That's funny. They were shielding you from that dangerous. Uh, Space influence? No. I mean, they showed you a bunch of other stuff. This one. Oh, it's the philosophy stuff. They were trying to protect you from, like, getting trapped in your own mind. Mm, true, true. Yeah. Don't your parents listen to the podcast? Oh, yeah. That's super cool. Hi, <laughs> Hi Mom. Hi, Dad. <laughs> yeah, neither of our parents listen to this podcast. <laughs> Unsupportive. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Um, if if you are interested in hearing uh, some of the the this this movie's influence on the band Pinback, I highly recommend checking out Concrete Seconds, which is on um, uh, Blue Screen Life, and I think the the the, the song uh, Rousseau, which can be found on the self titled Pinback album. I think there's another one too, but I forget which album my, the song My Star is on. It's called Rousseau. Mm-hmm. Rousseau. I wonder if that's also a philosophy thing. More than likely. Mm. Maybe that's the one that was talking about the alternate to what Descartes was saying. I don't know. I don't. You know, like I, I haven't gone to that comic book issue yet, so I don't. I don't know what that person said. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that uh, Dan O'Bannon had the story for Alien when they uh, wrote this movie already? Because I, yeah. I do feel like, yeah, there was so much closeness in a lot of those, just that small alien sequence, you know, crawling through the... Uh, the detonation thing, that, yeah. that, that, that that plays a pretty big part in Alien. Uh, the elevator shaft, the, is, yeah. like, crawling through the shafts yeah. and stuff like that, and how do we, you know... The feeling the feeling of, uh, of, of, of trying to find this alien, mm. you know, <laughs> claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is like the anti-alien. <laughs> but I bet I should ask my mom if she's seen it just because she loves Alien so much that I should tell her to watch just, it. John Carpenter is such a fun, fun director that it's really fun to see. Like this is like his earliest work, man. Yeah, this is it. And 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 even back then, like the music, the you know, like a lot of that stuff is reflected in his. Yeah, it was work. good music. He did a good job on the soundtrack too. They should have reeled him in, though. Should have stopped him before he went crazy. Nah, man. He would have gone, nah. Stop it, John Carpenter. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I just learned that his last studio movie was Big Trouble in Little China. And uh, since then. Are you for reals? Yeah. Since then, he's been, like, independently producing his own movies. Okay. And I wonder if that's why they took, like, a downhill kind of turn. I mean, yeah. I don't remember what he did directly after Big Trouble in Little China, but... Wasn't it the Ghosts of Mars or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. I never saw it. Coming to a podcast near you. 
No, oh, don't say that. Ghost of Mars. Oh, I'll miss that episode. <laughs> we'll get in uh, some sort of, I don't know, a talking dog or something like that. We'll find something. <laughs> it's good to know that my replacement will be very valued. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 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 no, I just want to thank you guys for watching this one with me. It's a fun movie. I like it. Yeah, it was good. It is 70s as hell, though. I agree with you, Sarah. I'm glad, I'm glad I can... <laughs> I don't know if I would have watched it on my own, but I'm glad I did. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. If I recommended it, it would be one of those ones that I would only recommend to certain people. Yeah. That I think could handle it. I wouldn't just be like, no, I can't deal with this. Yeah, well, we wouldn't have watched this on our own. I don't think it would. Yeah, that's yet. what I was saying. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got it. We don't have friends, just Aaron and Kepo. But- Aaron- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have friends. Thank you. I'm real. <laughs> Thanks for suggesting this one. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you guys for watching it. It was yeah, fun. Yeah, so I wonder what we're doing next week. Oh, next week. Oh, uh, yeah. Do I get to pick? Well, no. <laughs> Come on. We got a sent a message by an independent movie maker. And uh, we are going to cover his movie for the next episode. Uh, we haven't actually watched any of this movie, so I'm um, hoping that it's not a softcore porn. Uh, we'll find out. We <laughs> <laughs> rec- recommend it to everyone. Yes, so good. <laughs> no, no. If you like a certain type of movie, I'm glad that people are reaching out to us. And no, that's great. And, uh, yeah, I was super excited when yeah. I got that email. Yeah, man. I I was like shaking in my boots yes. when I saw that message. <laughs> R dot E dot D dot D. It's red. Dot, uh, it's uh, www dot red R E D D movie dot com. You can watch the trailer there. There's also a little bit of an interview with the uh, creator, and he seems like a cool guy. And so that's what we were going to be watching next week. Email address. And Joel, where, where can I email you? My, me? Or where can me people, personally? Where can people email us? That sexy sexy beast uh, three thirty seven oh. at yahoo.com. Oh man. <laughs> Yahoo. Oh Sarah is so <laughs> not amused. <laughs> not amused. <laughs> Please don't podcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Twitter at Outer Space Pod. Uh, like us on our Facebook page if you have a chance, or give us a rating on iTunes. We would love that. Uh, any of that stuff helps to spread the word about who we are, what we do, and uh, whether or not you think we're worth l- listening to or not. Give us some stars, guys. Stars are nice. Thank you. Speaking of stars, lessons. I know you guys are thinking about lessons from this movie. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I got to think of a lesson all the <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think the the lesson from this movie is uh, when uh, when you see a, a naked astronaut running at you, don't put on his don't put on a spacesuit, man. That's <laughs> what. That's what Pimback said happened to him. Oh yeah. <laughs> not Pimback because he's not actually. He's actually not Pimback. Yeah. Which uh, there there's some more philosophy <laughs> for you. Funny part of the movie. Oh. Yeah. 
He's actually not him. Anything, Sarah? Or is he? A lesson? Lesson. Don't go into space. Because... (laughs) You'll be stuck for 20 years. That's pretty good. They only aged three years, though. I'm sure they felt 20 of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be rough. It makes me want to talk about how he was talking about how the Dodgers were doing, and he thought they'd been gone for 15 years. I wonder, after he died, if he was not experiencing the time the same way they were. Since he was dead. Well, he kept mentioning how cold it was. Right. And how how much he had forgotten, too. Yeah. Like that, oh, was, that okay. was one of the things as well. Um, yeah. So how much of himself he lost. It was a weird, creepy scene, but it was funny what he ended up saying. <laughs> you never come down to talk to me about good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the good old days on Earth. <laughs> Let's just hang out and talk about that. <laughs> we only have nine minutes. Nine, nine. So is he the dead guy, or is he? He's, yeah. the, he's the former commander. Yeah, that was Captain Powell. How is he talking? Technology, science, okay. I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the final lesson, in my opinion, is that no matter how innocent and cute looking an alien is, and this alien wasn't exactly cute. It was whatever. Maybe it looked cute when they first got it. Don't bring it onto the ship, even as a mascot. We don't need one. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> Bye. 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 Sneezy.